Welcome to the Lazy People Podcast, the podcast about all things technology and people and technology in Belgium, of course, from outside of Belgium. My name is Errol Baikal, and I'm here with my co-host, Metzian. Hello, everyone. Uh, today on the Lazy People Podcast, we have with us Maxim Bala who is a security architect working for a company that produces satellite ground systems. Is that right, Max? If I yes, can call you Max, so, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, you can, no worries. Um, yeah, indeed, I'm um, Maxim Bala. I'm uh, 34 years old, I have two kids, and I work uh, for ST Engineering iDirect, um, which is the result of a merger between a Belgian company, Nutic, and a US company, iDirect, both making uh, satellite ground systems. Okay, yeah. Well, right off the bat, I have <clears throat> I have a question for you uh, that I wanted to ask. I knew that I was going to ask is, how do you get a job like this? How do you become a security architect at a satellite communications company? <laughs> uh, you're now asking inside information. Huh? Uh, nobody <laughs> should pay for that. But um, uh, I rolled into this. I, I think I um, my background is actually in uh, systems engineering and uh, I was a sysadmin sysadmin for for several companies before and um, as it so happens if you're working in IT uh, sometimes you just get emails from uh, recruiters out of the out of the blue and there was an email from a recruiter that uh, um, that said like hey. Uh, looking at your profile, you have a very interesting profile, blah 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 blah. I have a nice job, and uh, here's all the information. And um, I wasn't I wasn't looking for a new job, but then um, I clicked open all the information, and I saw it was for a company that was located at seven kilometers from my door. Like suddenly, I realized, hey, I could walk from home to to wherever I would work. And um, you'd need to leave very that... early, though. But I understand what you mean. Yeah, but that that's crazy. How how long did you commute before that? Uh, ten years almost. So no, I, I mean the I, distance. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I mean the uh, length sorry, of yeah, that. Okay. Uh, Depends. Uh, when I was working in uh, in Anderlecht, I had uh, um, I I was living in uh, in the Kempen Ranst, and I had a um, agreement with my employer that I would start from home and I'm drive off the traffic, and it would still take me uh, almost an hour to to commute. And then uh, one hour employer... in one direction or one hour. Yes, in of course. No, no. <laughs> so you're like ten hours on the road. Uh, on average per week uh, five days two hours like, yeah it could be i spent i i purposely tried not to t- take uh I take account of how many hours i would uh, i would spend in the car um i would also uh, naturally i would also spend long days in the office just to uh stay until traffic was gone and um afterwards i worked in dehim and i really had to be like follow normal working hours it was hell i had a motorcycle so i commuted a lot by motorcycle but then uh costs were not reimbursed i in any case the moment that mm-hmm. that uh email landed in my inbox that was like uh y- you know the uh in cartoons when they have this light shining from heaven it's like, oh. <laughs> that was like that i had to interview um and it was not for a for a or I, it was for a system engineer position, but they did a kind of a bait and switch, and I ended up in their uh, product quality assurance team. Um, but come back, Ali, to, to cut uh, to cut to the chase, I uh, worked for two years, I think, in uh, in a product quality assurance team, and uh, was mostly there helping um, helping others and working on on different projects, but I I was from nature quite security conscious and. There wasn't really a security culture uh, in the or a security culture in the in the company. The satellite industry by itself is, um, I would say, lagging behind on. on uh, um, well, okay, you're right now. You're saying things that are uh, uh, blowing my mind. You would not expect this kind of uh, things to be to be said, but okay. Um, I just don't want to interrupt you, but I want to wrap up the the, the story of of how you got into this. So let me get this straight. You're never when Maxime was a six-year-old boy and somebody's like, Maxime, what do you want to do when you grow up? You never thought I'm going to be a security architect at a satellite communications company. And even better, even five years ago, you probably didn't think this, right? No, no, it hell It sort no. of organically happened because you're like, how can I commute 
uh, a shorter distance, and then you rolled into becoming in what is well, basically one of the coolest titles. What, it's one of the coolest what, titles I know. Is I'm a security architect at a satellite communications company. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's definitely I'm I'm definitely not doing this for the title. And make no mistake, what got me to reply to the email and said like, "Hey, I want an interview." That's the uh, seven kilometers commute. But what got me into the door and said like, "Wow, I want to work here," is what they were doing indeed. And the the company itself, uh, Nutic was um, it's it's one of the few companies in Belgium uh, that was still producing their own devices in in Erpemere. So they were making uh, they building satellite ground systems like from scratch in Belgium still. And um, what what blew my mind in when I when I started working there is the the open culture and the fact that you could learn so much. And uh, I always I used to joke that we had more PhDs per square meter than uh, than. Uh, you would find on a on a university campus, the the people I had to, had a chance to to meet here are are insanely talented, and that's what really uh, motivated me to to go uh, do this job. So it's it's not because of the commute that really gives a wrong uh, a wrong impression. And um, again, I'm also not doing this for the for the title. I I like the fact that no, that is uh, that title, yeah. but I'm. I would say I'm not even that good of an architect because I'm not a technical. Um, I'm technically not an expert in a single domain. Um, what my role entails is more. I I, uh, I I try to raise the security culture that I that I spoke of a little earlier. I, I um, I'm actually gradually trying to make sure we incorporate all of the processes that allow to allow us to make more secure software. I'm not. Not alone in this. I have a lot of help in the in the rest of the company, but um, in general, it's not that I design the features that make a product more secure. I give recommendations or reference standards. It's uh, that's the part of architecture I do. But it's not that I build these whole complex technologies on my own. I'm, I, yeah. I, I do. I do. It. You know. I do. I do wonder. Um, um, uh, by the way, of course. I'm joking a little bit with you because Maxime, yeah. you and I, we go back like over a decade of, of uh, pretty close friendship. So uh, it's just joking. So if the audience listens and uh, I know uh, some of the, the questions and less formal behavior is because because of our yeah. uh, relationship. But Maxime, <clears throat> to, you made a nice segue from uh, how you uh, landed into the job, into what you're doing. Maybe you could describe to us what does a day... Uh, or an average week look like for you at the company? Like, uh, what do you do while you work? Because you said a lot of things and... Yeah. Uh, no two weeks are the same and definitely no two days are the same, which is what, what keeps me interested also in this uh, in this job. But um, my responsibilities range from answering to, to customers who found, for example, security vulnerabilities or request some, some features um, to... Uh, Providing advice on on architecture, uh, helping prioritize planning on some of the uh, some of the features that need to be developed. Um, I am uh, uh, the the lead of the security champions team. Those are the people I would say that actually contribute to the real security of the products. The guys that really develop and advise from their competence. Um, uh, on, on, uh, that develop all of the features and, and advice from their. Uh, from their area of expertise. Um, what else? I help out with the corporate security efforts, so the ISO 27001 uh, certification and uh, and all the planning uh, that's need to be that needs to be in there. Um, I would have to open a, a document here on my computer to just see what a, a the range of work that I do, but. Um, it's not as sexy as it sounds. Most of my days are filled with meetings and uh, <laughs> writing writing documents. And it's it's really if you if I have like before I would write code, and I could tell you like oh look at this cool thing I built, and now, uh, I don't know if I fall into the trap of uh, of becoming more of a managerial type and then working a lot in Excel. But uh, now if you want to see uh, progress, I would have to point you to meeting documents and point you to features that have been developed and I said like okay this was not here look before. Maxim Maxim I, I I know you and I know you're a very um, uh, you will always undersell yourself okay so uh, I'm gonna ask you the question in a different way so what are some of the and I understand that 
you will not be able to freely answer this question uh, because of basically we're talking about security. But generally speaking, on the topics that you are allowed to uh, discuss, what are more practical issues that uh, you and the, the people, uh, like the champions that you discussed, yeah. uh, that, that you are tackling? Uh, and okay. I'm not talking about corporate security, but more in the security. Yeah, on, the, the on, the, security. on the product security. Okay, so um, we see an uptick in all kinds of uh, security requests coming from customers, but every customer is in their own way trying to uh, find out what security is for them or has already very well uh, vested processes. And um, part of my job would be to look at all of these requests and see like, okay, how can we make a mapping of all of the customer requests to, for example, a standard that exists? I'll give you an example uh, for any kind of authentication. Um, there exist different standards that tell you how secure a password, how 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 a secure password looks even like. So, for some standards, a twelve character password, um, which is with which has at least one capital letter and one uh, one special symbol and stuff, at least twelve characters, that's secure. And for another standard, like no, at least sixteen characters, but it doesn't matter whether it, whether it's alphanumeric or it's it's just all letters. It, that doesn't mind. And um, then I go have a look at the standards. And one of the standards that applies there is the NIST SP800 uh, no, 63, which is, um, well, from the National Institute of Standardization, if I recall correctly, which is NIST in the US, that gives us standards like, okay, this is how you configure secure authentication. It not only gives you advice on what a secure password is like, how many characters, but also on uh, what other switches need to be in an authentication mechanism, like make sure you lock out after a certain amount of attempts and um, make sure you force people to change the password, this kind of uh, these kind of things. And then um, I, I look at the standards and I say like, okay, one step back, which other standards uh, are we already following and is there an overlap? And then you end up with, I don't know if you're familiar with OWASP, the I'm, Open I'm, Web Application no, Security no. Project. Okay, well, I sure, no. as a mobile developer, at some point in time, either you have heard of it or you will heard of it here of the OWASP Top 10, um, which is like a checklist for, for uh, security in um, many different things. For web application security was the original um, Top 10 list, but... For mobile or for application development, there is also. A, you know a what list. we'll do for for the listeners, uh, we'll put a link in the show notes to both the uh, the uh, NIST standard and to the yeah. the OWASP and and even I can uh, look at. Well, it I can I can provide you a ton of reading material afterwards because I, I for me it's really interesting. But um, no, we but ended please up, go for ahead, example, Max, yeah. with uh, OWASP ASVS, which is the application security verification standard, and which contains a mapping to towards NIST. It's an OWASP, it's, an, it's like open source software. It's an open source set of standards and recommendations. And um, the OWASP ASVS, if you apply this standard, you have different levels that you can follow. If you apply this standard and a customer says, we want you to do authentication according to NIST SP863, you say like, okay, we are, we are okay because we are using OWASP ASVS. covers NIST. NIST. Yes, yeah. correct. So this is in it's a very high level. This is something that I've um, that I'm working on, making sure that we follow the standards. And then if we create any new service, the system architecture team and the PLM team needs to have a look, or the product management team needs to have a, a look at which standards to follow, and then um, make sure that the requirements for the developers are based on these standards. And that allows us to, in the end. Eh, um, make sure we, we design products with security in mind. I, perhaps this is something I should have mentioned before, but um, a good summary is that I, of my work is that I try to make sure that we develop uh, products that are secure by design and do not need any security added on later because that just doesn't work. Wow, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Makes sense. So, uh, Maxim, um, do you think your job is challenging? And if so, is it challenging because of a technical uh, dimension or because of a human dimension? You mean it's challenging for me? Uh, the job in general. Uh, well, for you, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Speaking, speaking for myself, because I, I was <laughs> going to say, if you ask this like for anyone in this field, I think the job is challenging, challenging in general. Um, but it's definitely challenging for me because um, I come from a mostly technical background and um, a lot of my job 
these days involves sort of stakeholder management, making sure that you talk a lot with people and then... Oh, that's um, what I meant, but the, the challenge does it come from the technical or the human perspective? And you're it's, like, it's both, because okay. again, I... <laughs> Some of sometimes I uh, I'm expected to be like the expert in security expert in every domain and I'm not. Um, we also make embedded uh, software devices and then you get this really uh, you get these these questions on on security of the embedded uh, um, embedded devices and then I really have to go read up and then ensure that I understand what their needs are how this works because my background is in uh, more the more the hub designs also as we call the the hub, which is based on a set of virtual machines, Linux virtual machines. And uh, technically, I also need to, I would say, be on top because right now we are um, preparing a move to towards more containerization. We're following where the industry goes and uh, we're looking into uh, perhaps moving things to, to the public cloud, perhaps doing, uh, hey, we're, we're, we're looking at so many things at the same time. And uh, there's an expectation that I have an answer ready for uh, all of these different knowledge domains, which I don't. Look, so from, from, my, from my experience, um, and Med, you let me know whether you agree with me or not. Um, if you're working with somebody who says, well, I'm supposed to be the expert, but I don't know everything. I need to go look things up. I know that's the person you basically probably prefer over the person who says, I know everything. Because basically, uh, the, this whole um, you know you know the, uh, the imposter syndrome is is very common thing uh, in in our field. Um, also, in my previous life, when when I was an academic, also was you know imposter syndrome also exists a lot there. I don't know which type of jobs get this, but uh, when you believe that at a certain point you know everything and your knowledge is complete, that's when you stop absorbing as well. So. And always, at all points, one of the things you need to be able to say is, I don't know, I can go look it up. And that makes, for me, I don't know, Matt, what, what, what is your opinion on this? I think uh, I agree with you on this one 100%. Um, uh, yeah, the day you think you know everything, you stop, um, you stop even looking, right? Um, and the other challenge is that sometimes you cannot look up what you don't know. So um, you have to be curious, uh, especially in your field. Uh, I do wanna, I do wanna expand on the question: um, What's challenging on on security in general? Like, is it, is it like, you know, cat and mouse fights? You know, like, you know, we're trying to make something secure, and then there's this bad guys or you know, good guys if you're one of them. Uh, you, you're trying to break what you made, and it's like, is that how it is, or what? I would say that. What's the... with security? Making it something secure with an unlimited budget is the easiest thing in the world. Like making some, something perfectly secure with an unlimited budget is the almost, I would say, the easiest thing in the world. People working for government agencies will probably uh, disagree. Um, but for me, the challenge often in this field is that you need to weigh off uh, security features. Um, and you need to weigh them off on what customers are really asking for at this point in time. And also some features, for example, would impact performance. And um, especially in this industry, satellite bandwidth is extremely expensive at the moment. And if you have, um, if one of the selling features of your device is that it can make uh, excellent use of this very expensive bandwidth, um, but then you add a security feature on top that, uh, let's say, uh, adds a 10% penalty, then the in, with the customers, the SATCOM team and the security team won't be um, won't be in agreement on whether it's a it's a good idea to uh, take this ten percent hit or not. So the challenge for me lies in um, I would Op say optimizing. making things secure enough for the market that are going to be used in, and making sure that you have a that you meet this inherent expectation of security. Maxim, I can, I, can I make a compassion to... Yes, of course. Let's say, let's say you were working for a car manufacturer and um, you, as a security guy, you would be able to say, well, let's make every uh, part of this car's out exterior two-inch, five-centimeter thick steel. So when you run into yes. anything... And, and then the market and the people would say, but one, this is too expensive. You're going to consume too much fuel. People are not going to want it because people yes. understand this is more safer, but it's going to cost them more. It's just clunky. Yes. It moves slow. Is that more or less the, 
the balance yes. and the dancing that you need and to do. To come with that, um, to come with that expectation, uh, what you do is if you if you say like, okay, for safety, we make this five uh, five centimeter stick, and you would have a market in which he would sell these cars, and they would be very happy with a with a regular car that's five centimeter thick steel panels, but it's only a small section of the market, but something that's um, it's that's one end of the uh, of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum is that you make them out of pressed cardboard, like the the Wartburgs were, or the, which which Eastern German cars were there made from from pressed wooden panels. That's the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. FYI, at a certain moment in time, the, uh, <laughs> the Soviet Union made uh, cars uh, from uh, from cardboard. I I think it was the was the Wartburg. I'm not sure, but um, that's the other end of the spectrum. So there is a certain expectation of security. If you buy a device, let's say you buy a, a modem, a Wi-Fi Wi-Fi access point or whatever, you buy some, you go to Van der Borre, you take it off the shelf, you pay for it, you put it in your home network and you configure it, you have a certain expectation of security. You expect that there are no backdoors, that the manufacturer cannot listen into whatever you say. You expect that no foreign nation is able to uh, hack this access point. Um, you expect that it... Well, the, you can stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> the foreign nation can get there, you know, what they want but to, right? Okay, but let's say uh, that it's not an expectation that is by default this. You expect whatever you buy, whichever consumer device that you buy you have a certain expectation of um, of security you expect it to not become a weak hole in your uh, in your infrastructure and even for people that say I don't care um, I reckon they would care if their internet speed goes down because there's like 10 Bitcoin miners on their on their Wi-Fi access point this is this is what I mean you expect this device to be secured up to a certain standard and it's the challenge to know what the standard is, and of course, try to be on the positive side and try, try to make the panels from the car out of steel and high quality one. But Even how the, the market this, this, just expects? But I yeah. want to come back to Matt's question then, when he said there is this cat and mouse game. So it, is it there, or or is it more like the market versus the is the market that which game is is decides the rules? Is it the 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 market, you know, like the people are going to yeah. buy the product or the threat. I would is- say yes. That's that's the main that's the main driver. You need to, um, you of course need to make what people want to buy. Uh, and we have a policy on. Uh, uh, well, I don't know if I should expand on this. It's going to be boring, but uh, in general. There's no cat and mouse game in which somebody hacks our hacks our device and then we try to come up with a better approach. The it's in in fact it's often quite boring and boring is good because we secure our devices by known standards and uh, by doing what we know is is good. We are not at the moment. I speak for for the commercial division of uh, of my company and. Um, I should say, by the way, that everything that I mentioned in this podcast is my own opinion. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> too late. Uh, yeah, too late. You whatever. said a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, um, Matt will cut this part out where he says that. <laughs> yeah, good. But uh, no. Um, yeah, nothing gets cut off. In, uh, in yeah, this I, podcast, exactly. Huh? This is an unedited okay. podcast. So uh, yeah, where was I? Your opinion. Yeah, was well, so all the whole podcast is already my uh, my opinion. Uh, but I was uh, speaking about uh, the cat and mouse game, and that in in a because sense... you follow known standards, it's yes. boring, and boring is good. And yes, yeah, Bec- yeah, that that's the whole whole idea. Um, we don't at the moment are in uh, that cutting that field that needs that cutting edge security, um, where you are in a constant cat and mouse game. Um, we have known standards that we follow and uh, that we that we implement, and that we learn from best practices from other industries where they sometimes already went through um, through a transformation. And and the boring part is that there's there's no games going on. The interesting part is that you have to do this all way. Um, yeah, how do you, how do you say this? You you have to do this. While constantly weighing your uh, your options, if it were for me, I well, would love um, to make our devices as secure as they could possibly uh, as they could possibly be, and I do everything in my uh, capacity to do this. 
So it's, it sounds like um, what's, what we know in general in, in uh, software development, it's really like a trade-off, yes. right? So you have to say, to, you have so many parameters, you have to choose between, I want this much of this and a little bit of that, and, and you make kind of like a recipe, and that's what you're, gonna, you're offering, for example, for your customers. Now, this is, there's obviously what you mentioned, the uh, best practices, um, which is great, right? Um, until we figure out later on, okay, we have this issue and we have to to, to somehow uh, rethink. Sometime we have to rethink things. Uh, let me let me put let me put the question like let me. I'll show you how I think about security and correct me if I if this is fair as as a stance uh, to, to 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 hold on to or I should revisit it. I look at security as when I when I when I at least when I implement something, certain things in security-wise, um, I look at them as I'm simply trying to prevent the the larger number of, of uh, let's say, column hackers from um, doing things they're not supposed yeah. to do. Meaning, I, in the back of my head, I know I'm not preventing everything. It's impossible for me. It's almost yes. like an ideal. I will never be able to reach it. If I reach it, that means I cannot access things myself. Uh, things that will not have functionality anymore. Uh, so I have to reduce that. And this one you said earlier, like, you know, foreign nations. And then I said, okay, that, that's it, right there, because uh, with enough resources, yes, you can hack everything. there's yes, possibilities. Correct. Yeah. Okay, so it's, okay, I'm safe with yes, my... Yes, yeah, it <laughs> oh, well, really is like this. It's um, logical. Hey, yeah. It's... Okay. Okay. Let me, let me then, if you don't mind, um, have a question. Uh, back in December, uh, I think the 14th, uh, Google Google went down for a few minutes. If you are, you know, maybe uh, it didn't. It it made a big buzz because, well, if you use Google services, uh, Google was not working for a good hour. Um, after that, it kind of um, it's not in the um, uh, yes. It was with their own not in the news system, too much. Right? It had to do with the yeah. resource well, limitations on their own scheduling system. Exactly. Yeah. That's what they said. That's what they said. Well, I wouldn't put it back at you. Is that what happened? I don't know. I don't work for Google. And I, mean, I guess if I worked for them, I wouldn't be allowed to, uh, yeah. to tell you anything. But I have to, well, I have to really go yeah. by... Uh, I have to read a lot. And I have to go by what the press release says in this case. So I have no clue. Yeah, to me, it's like... Uh, so... This 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 big companies, which are you can we can count them in the in, in you know in, we can limit them into maybe twenty uh, huge companies. They have um, like uh, fallback of a fallback of fallback. They have uh, they're pretty distributed where things do not things never go down, right? Like really, you know. But uh, this was a bit uh, different um, because. Um, um, it, it's, it showed that um, life, um, like um, daily activities of, of other um, domains kind of depend on it. For example, an example would be um, uh, nurses or, or some hospital having to contact uh, patients about um, their schedules or things like that, and that could not happen meaning they had to they had no access to that data and that's because they, they depend on it too much now um, my 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 take on it obviously it's based on nothing <laughs> just my uh, <laughs> uh, you know absolutely not factual but to me something happened as far as uh, something security that took place uh, in you my think opinion. it was like a, an, an attack like an attack happened yes yeah yeah yeah, an attack, or uh, it was a um, a reaction to uh, preventing uh, attacks. Um, well, let me then let me shift gears then. So let's go back to let let's throw another another topic then. Uh, you familiar with solar winds? Yeah, but that's a completely different. Uh, that's a completely different thing. Okay. What I if I if I may okay. um, answer on the yeah. on your uh, Google related, uh, I would say questions or yeah, your, your story. Um, my opinion there is that. Um, even complex systems these days, these days are made and maintained by humans. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, I'm sure you can come up right off the bat with like 10 mistakes you made in the last year. It's like, oh, that was a stupid mistake. Not, in, not even your work, also your personal <laughs> life. And um, the more complex a system becomes, 
the more easy it fails. And uh, I'm actually inclined to just believe that it that it was like that. Why not? It's a huge company. It's a hugely comp- uh, complex system, and um, I'm trying to come on the on the full saying, but it goes kind of like uh, uh, don't something. Attribute. Like, yes, yeah, that one. Do you know it by heart? Because I don't. Uh, any, I can paraphrase. Uh, it's like don't don't attribute to. Uh, uh, to malice, what can be accurately explained by stupidity, something like something that. Something along yeah. those lines, and, yeah. Yes. Uh, it would also be in uh, the best interest, I think, of Google if it would be related to any kind of security um, security breach, uh, not just because of fines, but because of any trust that uh, that would be lost if the truth would, uh, would come to light at a later time. So I don't find anything behind it. The SolarWinds hack, yeah. that's a whole different story. What's the solar okay. winds? Am, okay. am I the one? I, so you yeah. seem to be in on something. <laughs> me yes, in on yeah, you one should have that. read up in, uh, before the podcast. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> um, uh, quite recently, I would say in the, in the past year, um, a company got breached called, uh, called SolarWinds. And um, you have to be living under a rock, I think, if you didn't uh, hear any of the, um, of the stories surrounding that. But it boils down that to the fact that hackers broke into their... Uh, infrastructure and had access to their uh, not only their build systems but also the system that signed their software and um, SolarWinds is a huge multinational with hundreds of clients it's like or thousands of clients it's it's insane and um, all the big companies were using it um, and the hackers took their time to not breach the systems but then to develop malware that could be shipped Oh, they injected malware into these applications, or what? Yes, but distributed from the official SolarWinds yeah, server. Yeah, so so, they... so, so, so I, I'm one of those people who lives under a rock. So, with with the SolarWinds, who give me uh, household brands? Like, what, what did it affect? Well, NSA uses them. Uh, you know, tons of uh, U.S. government yeah, uh, agencies use them. Oh, and this is what made this okay, story yeah, yeah. big, and. And this has been for months. So they basically, someone is in your living room and you don't know it for a long yeah, time. So they, they've been uh, probably injecting malicious code, signing them properly. It looked like yep. it was uh, completely safe, but they were literally, who knows what they were running. <laughs> yeah, well, now, now we know. But the thing is that they created these backdoors into uh, huge networks of uh, of organizations that are sometimes part of critical infrastructure or again household names and then um, they breached those companies using the SolarWinds software as their backdoor and then very silently spread in those systems so um, we are still uncovering the 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 real extent yeah yeah the real extent of the uh, of that hack Um, because you can also imagine like once you pride your way in using a certain tool yeah. Being the solar wind backdoor, who knows what they hid there? You know, in, in yeah. this inside the system. So what you need to do is you need you need to purge everything. Everything yeah, that, actually, that could have been yeah. uh, touched should, needs to be purged. Um, yes, and that's a bit, that's a, sounds like a very expensive thing to do. So do you think yeah, it will? And the it will thing happen? is that it's not always possible. Even if you've worked in IT infrastructure, you know that uh, purging, like setting fire to your infrastructure, is. Uh, you prepare for this with your uh, business continuity plans, but it's not something you would do um, out of your own free will, I would say. Yeah, I think this this uh, hooks back up into the question of how much security can do we want to sell? And in the same way, like we know we, we've been compromised and everything should now be looked upon suspiciously, but, you know, what the hell, life goes on. Let's Let's do... A certain amount, but you know, you don't really get the corners while cleaning. If you understand what I mean, um, yeah, n- yes and no. Uh, <laughs> uh, how I understand that you make that uh, that you made a comparison, but um, uh, the corners is, is it sounds very bad. But um, let's make a comparison with a house. The security you want an alarm system. It's like the default. You want to make sure you have good locks. Uh, like good physical security, perhaps added on an alarm system, but you're not going to put on uh, auto-targeting turrets. 
Well, says you. <laughs> yeah, well, some agencies <laughs> or some customers would love this. You don't but, want to break uh, into my house. Then. <laughs> no, no, just, yeah, you, no, it's a very valid point. Like, what, how much is enough? And, you know, uh, for just somebody who's living in a regular house like I do, I should not have bought those turrets. But I, I did, but regular. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm sorry. Shiny. <laughs> yeah. No, you, I, I get your point. Yeah. So, so but some, sometimes it's not by cleaning the by not cleaning the corners. The reason I, I dislike that comparison, if I may say so, is because it gives the implication that we uh, that we would not uh, properly do the work again with the alarm system. It would be like we we would not hang all possible sensors. But it's, you have certain levels of security. But every level that you want to achieve, you want to do this um, to the full extent of what is what is possible. Like security is it's a, it's either a one or a zero. Mm. And there's not a zero point whatever. I would say it comes in levels, but each level has either a one or a zero. Mm -hmm. And you can, um, if if you fail to implement all possible um, defenses to get a certain level, you will not have this level. So cleaning yeah. the corners is really important. If you look at it on a on a house with several floors, you need to make sure that the ground floor is brand sparkling new looking before you move up to the uh, to the next floor. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. Okay. And, and the way you put it now, it kind of highlights how important it is to have this um, this kind of standard standardization yep. where you have one, like when you say I have, I'm certified with for this or, or this is um, uh, what I have implemented, <clears throat> at least it gives a... Um, um, it gives the big picture like this package is what yes. they have like so meaning i'm not going to be for example um hacked or have the, this type of issues i'm not going to have them for example or the chances for them to happen are like you know 0. Yeah. 0.00001 but then if something is to happen that means it's just level of of, of seriousness yeah, if you properly implemented um, one of these standards not only are they testable like you can uh, a lot of these standards are prescriptive like you say, like, okay, in order to get to this level, you need to do A, B, C, D. And you just test them. Yeah. OSPSVS, which I mentioned before, for you mobile developers, there's also an MASVS, and you should look into it. Um, it's a mobile application security verification standard. You just test test your levels, and your customer is able or should be able to do so, or you should be able to provide your customer with a document that says, like, hey, we, we went through this, um, yeah. and it's there. And um, having this testable and verifiable is the is the best thing that you can oh yeah, I would say that you can you can do it's boring mm -hmm. if you need to follow the standard but it's good okay um Errol, I don't know if you have any other questions on security I want I'm, I'm curious about satellites I specifically I'm, I'm kind of uh, I'm hyped with the with the Starlink uh, the whole the whole even idea to say let's let's uh, let's wrap uh, earth with a bunch of satellites mm -hmm. uh, to give us uh, this uh, this uh, few uh, constellations uh, you know millisecond okay. well but to, to achieve this millisecond uh, gains right which is really small but uh, it's it's uh, it's it's really significant even if we say especially um, when you're gaming even yeah, if we say uh... Yes. Need those well, reaction times, well, <laughs> or when you're in think, financial financial transactions. Yeah, I think yeah. the financial even with video conferencing. Yeah. Oh yeah, even yeah. I think yeah. we can all remember looking at the news and the guy holding his two <laughs> fingers against his ear, yeah. and then there's like yeah. a thirty second pause. It's yeah. normal. You can't change. You're, yeah. you're tied to the speed of light. So um, if you put mm -hmm. a satellite way up in the sky, you're always going to have latency. Um, but sorry, you you were you were explaining you're going to have a question, I guess. Yeah. So the, but anyway, I think I think it's uh, it's 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 a move that uh, it's going that's it's uh, the the theory behind it. Uh, it says it's going to be a good success. I, I think it's it's something that's really good. It's, I think it will be successful. Um, what's your take on on, on Starlink and, and 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 similar? Well, that's only only only. Um, project that's in that kind although i've heard of other ones but that's the main one okay well uh well at least at least elon musk does get a good attention yeah, yeah you true know, but gets, there are several companies uh, uh so you have starlings you have uh, amazon who's offering kuiper yeah. i think based on a uh a, a bundle of rocks somewhere in the in space so amazon kuiper or i don't know how you pronounce it in english Kuiper. um yeah 
one web which went bankrupt but now is uh, again operational or again building their uh, their systems. I think They're you all... can also add to this like uh, the Facebook and Google effort to do yeah, something true. similar with uh, blimps and balloons, uh, but like a decade yeah. ago. Yeah. But those didn't go. Uh, I don't know. know if the loon thing actually achieved. I, I thought it was still yeah. ongoing. But in general. Um, <laughs> Personally, I think it's um, it's going to be a good thing. It's uh, already revolutionizing the whole uh, satellite industry, I would say, um, and it can help with uh, revolutionize other industries too. Um, it's it's not my area of expertise, so I'm not talking or I'm not providing my answers here from my experience in the job. No, really, no, no joking. I have people <laughs> look, I, I would look, go Matt, to with this, this kind this of This guy is a, is a security architect at the satellite communications company. And neither security nor satellites. <laughs> no, Look, it is. Ma Maxim, okay. Uh, no, but please, even, yes. though, even though you think you're not an expert, you're giving us a lot of good information. So please continue okay. giving us exactly. information. So that's the, the, I would say in our companies or other people, if you want to know about this, I can give you their names. You should have a podcast with them. But um, personally, I see this. Um, I would love to see some competition, for example, in the European or in the uh, industrialized world's broadband markets. Um, that's something I see happening uh, with this kind of constellations. Of course, bring internet and connectivity to very remote places. Uh, unacceptable fees, huh? because currently satellites um, bandwidth is ex really expensive. Um, and and I, I, I would see that, or what I expect is that in uh, emerging nations, um, where there is currently there are no infrastructure due to whatever reason, uh, conflict might be might be one of them. They they could just skip a step, like they like many developed nations mm -hmm. did with uh, skipping the whole telephone uh, infrastructure and just winning, going straight to cell phones. Um, I would see this happening also with uh, uh, with broadband backbone. But is this so, is this what you mean by uh, a revolution that's happening? in that we bring broadband to places that it would be prohibitively expensive to bring uh, wired broadband. Um, yes, it would give access to Wikipedia, for example. That is, this is my idealistic side speaking, but it would hopefully give no, access I, to Wikipedia I to a whole new generation yeah. of people. Look, I was, I was a few years ago, I, I was in, uh, in Tanzania and I met some uh, Maasai people or, you know, working there. And we, we got to talking and they're like, yeah, you know, we, we have Facebook um, and they, they were all on smartphones, like uh, on Facebook, on, on the Internet, reading things uh, globally. And uh, some of them said like, growing up, we didn't even have electricity at home. Mm. Like we didn't have, they skipped electricity, they skipped TV, they skipped the home <laughs> computer, they skipped the laptop. They no skipped the smartphones now. And they're like on a smartphone, they're connected. So this is like... Okay, it's a revolution, but mm -hmm. um, it's not like something that's going to impact. It's going to sound horrible, but it's not going to impact me, is it? It's going to impact uh, people on the fringes of uh, the globalized technology. People who, uh, who we could not. Depends on what you mean with it's not going to uh, to impact me. Um, I reckon if we, for example, would get some competition going in the broadband market, you'd be very happy. If it's like okay, uh, you know, uh, you call one of the. Uh, the providers just say like, okay, I have option A, so you give me a discount, or option B, so I just get a, I don't know what the cost is of Starling, uh, Starlings right now, but uh, for a couple of hundred euros, I get a dish, and uh, I have guaranteed very good connectivity. Um, I grew up in a house at the end of a street, and uh, when we wanted broadband, the company said like, oh, it's, oh, it's no problem, but you have to lay like three kilometers of cable yourself. So like, no, thank you. <laughs> oh, you're one of those people on the fringe of global technology. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I had like 2001 uh, great internet up until like four years ago. So, <laughs> <laughs> but paying modern prices. So, yeah. And and could could the, could this technology replace um, uh, like? Um, uh, GSM like uh, cellular. No, what I uh, what I I mean I what yeah. I learn here is that it not it's it's not really replacing uh, GSM, but it, for example, it ties in very well with what we want to do with five G, with having more uh, uh, like a, a finer mesh of ground systems that provide you really really low latency uh, connectivity, um, but it's cost prohibitive to uh, pull a cable to every single. Uh, ground station, especially if you do so many, and some of them would be on houses or uh, like in streets where you just can't 
dig or hang a cable. Um, and this is where it would uh, serve as sort of a, um, a lever or a, a facilitator towards, towards this technology. Good stuff. Definitely good stuff. Hey, uh, I, I, uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to interrupt you guys. We need to wrap up because we're reaching the, the end of our time. Um, um, I have some more time. We started later, but it's as you wish. No, we, we've reached, we're reaching the 45. And I know from experience, by the time I say this and we wrap up, it's going to be another <laughs> 10 minutes. Okay, good. Because people yeah, are yeah. Going, oh, I have this to say. I, have that to say. I wanna, I want to uh, ask you a question, Maxime. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, <clears throat> uh, I can show you something because... You are on my camera, although people will not be able to see it. What you see here is a smart uh, power adapter. Like it's it's a you put it put it on the on the power, and then it connects to your Wi-Fi. And uh, anything uh, that's connected to this can be turned on and off with a timer or your location via the app on your phone. Another thing is from this same company, which is I have no clue what company it is. It comes from China. That's all I know. Uh, I have also. Um, uh, plugs that are built into the wall that control my uh, windows and my lighting. Now, when you talked about security versus, uh, let's say, comfort or luxury, yeah. yeah. Um, when I first got this thing, uh, it it asked me to connect to my local network, <laughs> and the first thing I said was, "No, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I don't know what you are. I'm not giving you access to my local network." So what I did was, I set up a, a separate network. Uh, with a separate SSID. Uh, it's not a separate physical network, but my my uh, uh, router supports like a, a guest network. So mm -hmm. I, I turned that on and I put all these devices on the guest network. How, well, is that secure enough for my comfort? Or should I just um, throw these things out? Are you using the company's app to control these devices? Uh, yes. I wouldn't be afraid of my network. I would be afraid of the app, and uh, because your cell phone's also on the. I don't think your cell phone's on the guest network. I put it like this. Oh man, look! This is when you're. <laughs> this is when you're in the field. You're like, oh yeah. What, what about this? What I completely uh, not uh, not thought of that. But uh, okay, good one. I will remove the app, thus making everything here useless. Yes. So here, here is the consumer in me is like. Look, thank you for offering me a car with a five centimeter thick steel uh, exterior. <laughs> but I'm gonna go with the cardboard because that car drives faster. <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah, it's it's a trade off for every. I would say everybody needs to make this trade off um, for himself. The only thing I can do, and I see this with all of my friends, um, I can only advise, because otherwise you just become this uh, grumpy, grumpy ranting guy. And um, even though I value security also of my own network and especially the ones of my friends also, I, I, I value this. So I try to speak up. So like, oh, you're using that. Um, perhaps you should not. Or I share links um, to to known weaknesses. I I know this makes make you very popular. At you. This makes you very popular at parties. I, oh, I know yes. <laughs> hey, there is Maxim. I was like... <laughs> Going to tell us about the newest exploit on Android 10. <laughs> yeah, but luckily I I, uh, I have not become this person because I'm wary of it. Uh, people won't talk to you anymore. You should, the only thing I can I can provide you is uh, the information. Um, if I would if you would have told me like it's on my main network and uh, I still haven't changed the password, I would um, I would point you to uh, Shodan.io. Do you know this site? No. Oh, great. It's one to put in the links. It's okay. If yeah. I try to teach people on about um, backdoors in common consumer uh, uh, hardware, it's I would I would point them to Shodan. It's a site and it's like uh, the Google indexer, but for IoT devices. And uh, it used to be, I think, a search site for uh, unsecured Wi-Fi cameras. And then uh, because of backlash, they uh, I don't think they removed it, but they they made it a bit harder to just search for open cameras. Wait, uh, is this a security website or like a, it's a, a security creep, website. creepy person? Yes. Actually, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. It's a, it's a security <laughs> website and it can even be used to, uh, for example, if you work for a, for a company, you're trying to secure the infrastructure, have a look on what uh, your customers are doing or they connect new devices straight to internet on secure, this kind of things. Okay, um, yeah. Oh, okay, we're going to put that one on for sure. What, but it, what it, I, there was a time where you could connect to nanny cams and just 
look into people's living rooms because they bought it from uh, some oriental web shop, put it into the network, never changed the passwords. Like, oh, Nick, we can now see our kid. Great. Half of the world can now see your kid. Yeah. So, yeah. Look, all I'm going to say is, um, I don't know, Matt, what you think about this, but I think um, we should start looking into making longer episodes um, because it would, even with our second guest, I, I feel like we only just skim the, the surface of, of the topics that we could delve into. And even though uh, our guests sometimes believe from themselves that they're not experts, obviously they are much more knowledgeable about these fields than we are. And it's really fun just to ask these questions. So just to wrap it up for today and hopefully to have you back in the future, Maxime, I want you uh, to tell uh, our listeners how they could reach you if they have questions for you. Wow, that's a... Uh... That's a good one, actually. <laughs> How about uh, contact me on uh, lazypeople at maximbala.eu. Okay, lazy people. Don't put that link uh, unedited in the description, please. Put okay. it like uh, I'm not put machine it... readable. Okay, yeah. I'm going to put it uh, uh, rot16 with... Uh... Change the, the ad symbol into something else. As well. No, yeah, we'll... make it, but at least people, I, I think, if they see my name and they hear it, then uh, um, they'll be able to contact me. Or I don't know. So okay, we'll put we'll put some kind of uh, non-machine readable uh, <laughs> email address. I, I'm really working hard to keep my inbox spam-free, even though being a member of like 10 million Look, forums Maxim, and uh, Maxim, I got it. web shops. What we'll do is. I'll take uh, a pen and I'll write on a piece of paper in very bad handwriting. Put a picture and I'll put the link to that. Have your doctor write it. Yeah. Uh, Matt, my dear co-host, how can people reach you? Um, well, I usually, uh, last time I gave uh, an option away. Uh, so for me, it's like madmed.com. M-A-D-M-E-D.com. Nice. So there you're going to find other links other links to other places um um you'll be i'll be up there okay and if anybody <laughs> would want to reach me uh you can find me on baikal.be b-a-y-k-a-l uh like i said before we'll put up some kind of twitter or whatever account in the <laughs> but future at least it's nice for tech people everyone's flexing with their own domain instead <laughs> of having like oh reach me on twitter with my handle blah blah <laughs> but doesn't that make it more difficult it, it could be like med at gmail and now it's like uh mad med it's maximbal.eu yes but the nice thing is uh, we, we spoke about this critical infrastructure i have the feeling that at least the three of us um we are not relying on uh, free services too much or we uh, unless you're using uh, Google as your uh, email host for your personal domain, I'm not. I'm not gonna answer that. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll get into that the it next. It gives time. me hope. The more people I see having either their own domain or at least at the very minimum, um, yeah, not relying on the uh, on someone else hosting their uh, email free of charge, I find it's a good thing. Okay. Well, Maxim. That's a that's a that's a that's a full topic a full right there. Yeah. Well, that's thank, a full thanks, topic. Thanks, all. But yeah, it thank was... you all again, uh, Maxim. Thank you for coming on the show. I hope to have you back again uh, somewhere in the future uh, for any yeah, other topic. See. It was really nice to have you here, Med. Thank you also very much uh, for being here. Yeah, thank you all. See ya. Take bye. care. Bye. Uh, bye bye.